Hey everyone, and welcome to the We Are The Evidence podcast, season one, Hear Us Out. Your hosts, Shay from We Are The Evidence and Melissa from Mulberry Fiber Studios were brought together by Quick Horse Sale and have been best friends ever since. This podcast focuses on surviving and healing through sexual assault, abuse, and toxic relationships, and how that healing journey touches on every part of our lives. We're excited to have you. everybody and welcome back to the we are the evidence podcast it's your hosts melissa and shay and we promised last time that it wouldn't be several weeks before we talk to you again and here we are um shay how are you how are you doing uh good incredibly busy which is part of why it's taken several weeks how are you good busy unmotivated Um, i think that's just like my new life motto now Mm mm-hmm just like when people ask me how I am and I say tired I think it's just a like life thing now I'm always tired yeah I mean yeah there's really no other way, <laughs> no other way to say it's it funny that you mentioned like unmotivated because we've talked about doing a podcast on motivation for forever and we're just like too unmotivated to do it yeah I know we keep talking and that's what <laughs> I keep asking what do you want to talk about well we should talk about motivation okay and like how you find it and I'm like well how how do you find it well I don't know how do you find it <laughs> so, yeah we we don't know we'll let you know when we do know <laughs> yeah. this is kind of becoming a permanent state of being and it's kind of horrible um <laughs> whatever um so we decided that we should probably go back to the original story, really, because we stopped at talking about you reporting, right? Right. Like yep. A couple episodes ago and many, many weeks. And so we thought that we would start talking about the court process. But there's so, so much that goes into court, even though what, it was a day, two days total. A day and a half. Day and a half. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we probably have a day and a half worth of stuff to talk about related to court. So we're going to kind of break it up. And it's kind of a more serious, heavy type episode. So and we thought we would just talk to you guys about the actual testifying process in court. Um, so, Shay, do you want to just kind of start us off? Yeah, uh, feel free to like jump in if I... I'm not making sense. And if there's questions that pop up. Um, so I was really nervous to testify, of course. I think that makes a lot of sense. And something that was really frustrating for me is, and I think a lot of people who have gone through a sexual assault trauma feel this way, but I like to have answers. I like to feel some control of the situation. And this was an area I had no control over. I would Google questions like, what is the defense attorney going to ask me? What can I expect? Or how do I answer? How do I be more believable? I was always so concerned about not coming across believable. I had to convince people I was worth listening to. And, you know, there's not a lot of resources that tell you what to do because there's not a good, easy answer. I would go on forums and some people would say that their defense attorney ripped them apart 
and some the defense attorney barely asked them any questions and kept it really simple. So there's so much, there's so many variables. It was really hard to gain any idea as to what to expect. So I turned to the victim advocate who was assigned to my case to kind of answer my questions and connect me to the assistant district attorney who was representing the case. And I asked her and she kind of said the same thing. We don't know. We've never worked with this defense attorney before. We don't know what he's going to be like. You just need to be concerned about sharing your story. And the district attorney's job is really to make sure the important points come out. He knows your story. He'll ask you the questions to get out the information that's needed. I will say as frustrating as that was to hear, it was really good advice. And that's advice I would give is don't worry so much about what questions you're going to get asked. That's the district attorney's job is to ask the questions to make sure that the story gets told and all the information comes out. You need to just take care of you during the process and uh, be honest, even if honesty looks like saying, I don't remember, which is really hard to do because you think people won't believe you if you say, I don't remember. I think that's such good advice because I would be the same way. I would be like, I would just, mm-hmm. you want to be prepared and, um, you know, you don't want to freeze up in your answer. You don't want to answer the wrong way or say it the wrong way because you want to make sure that it's construed correctly. So, I mean, I guess when on all of my true crime shows that I watch that involve the court process, you know, there is a period where your attorney kind of prepares you and asks questions and asks the questions that they're going to ask you. Was there any of that? Since a little you were bit. Tech- you were with the prosecuting attorney. So I guess I'm thinking of it from the defense attorney side, but. Um, so what preparation other than just kind of saying, just tell your story, answer the questions, you know, don't, don't so much worry about it. Did they, did they try to prepare you for like how to answer the questions or what types of questions would be asked or anything like that? It was a lot of reassurance. I think they have to be careful not to make it seem like they're coaching you. And so it was a lot more reassurance. Like, And again, it was almost frustrating because I wanted them to coach me to an extent. Like, you know what the court case Mm -hmm. is like. You know what juries believe. Like, I want to hear from you what you need from me to make it be successful. But they didn't. They just said, however you react is okay. If you cry, that's okay. If you need a break, you can ask for one. It was a lot of just reminding me that whatever I needed to tell my story was what I needed to do. He did have me go through my like my report my story one time beforehand but we didn't even get all the way through because I was getting upset and he's like nope we're good we don't need to like go through it all again um and it wasn't him asking any questions at that time like he didn't say what he might ask me and uh, instead he told me again that his job is to make sure that my story gets heard Um, And I know a lot of people have negative experiences with the court process, and I had parts that were certainly negative, but I felt that that was the message that was really pushed to me from the people supporting me is, we are here so you can have your story heard. And I would hope all people going through this process would have that message given to them, and I don't think that's the case. I do think I I was fortunate. Um, But that was it really for prep work. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's great that that was their goal and that they were really transparent about that and supportive because I think you definitely needed that. And I also think, unfortunately, that you are correct and that is probably not the norm, which is really hard to think about because mm-hmm. it's just really sad because you're in a really vulnerable position going into court. So this was the first time that you had seen your attacker right like physically since seeing him after class or like in class or whatever so the first time i saw him again was when court started but before i testified oh i had gotten to sit in during the jury selection process um which isn't always typical but i got to because i was from out of state and they wanted me to feel comfortable with the courtroom so they got permission granted for me to the inn and I don't remember if he was in there also because the jury has to identify if they know him because then they get you know eliminated oh. or if I saw him in the courtroom hallways but I saw him for the first time right away during that okay sorry everybody if you can hear my dogs barking they're just being jerks they're downstairs <laughs> they're loud so I hope it's not too distracting um sorry <laughs> As they're like on a bark fest, I feel like I just need to address it. <laughs> um, good. Okay. Um, okay. So you saw him, and when in the process did you testify? Like, how so, long were you in court before you were testifying? Um, so the vor, like the jury selection happens, and then we jumped right into things starting um, the next day, early the next morning. And it's opening statements then, and the prosecuting side has their witnesses go first, and I went first as the line of witnesses. Um, And I've got a lot to say about that entire process. I was incredibly frustrated, and I realized how much power um, the judge has, which makes sense, right? The judge should have a lot of say in how things Mm go. But what I didn't think about is how big of an impact a judge who isn't familiar with, like, being in charge of a sexual assault case can have. Mm -hmm. And that was incredibly frustrating. But, again, maybe for another episode we can talk about just, like, the flaws I saw in the court process because there are a lot. I talk a lot about being supported, but there was a lot that went wrong during my case. Um, Okay, that was my tangent back on so I was the first witness to go on and when your support system are listed as witnesses they can't be in the courtroom with you when you testify because witnesses can't be there while others are testifying until they're done testifying except for the defendant he's there of course for the whole time so that was hard because my like I had some support people who came to support me but also because they were witnesses and they couldn't be in the room while I testified oh that's hard so then you're just you feel like you're there by yourself basically yeah and I I talked before in a previous episode how close I was to or the detective who was in charge Mm -hmm. of my case and she was in the courtroom when I testified and a really there's a couple moments that were really powerful for me and one of them was I sit down I'm sworn in saying I'm going to uh, tell the truth. 
And I look over and she had her partner and a couple other police officers sit in to support me, knowing that I had no one there. And that was a really big moment for me. Like, it was really comforting to yeah, see that amazing. there were people on my side. That's awesome. Yeah, because the defendant sitting on his side of the courtroom, he's been on two different sides of the gallery. Sure. And he had his mom there, his dad there, his brother, his grandmother, his girlfriend. So he had his family all over there. And then on my side, it looked empty until all the police officers came in. Um, that was yeah, comforting. That's amazing. That's And that's so intimidating. So like you're sitting up there and you're telling your story basically again to the person that took part in it and his whole family that I'm sure is just like glaring at you or making faces or I mean I guess I'm assuming but how how was that you know how is telling it in front of all of them uh hard and before we even started um the in, like the person in charge of making sure that the gallery stays I don't know well mannered yeah. the bailiff um, he like warned them several times like do not make any sounds I don't want to hear any like comments whispers gasps cries like he said like it should be like you're not even here and he was very firm about that constantly so they were quiet but. I, of course, tried not to look over that way because I didn't want to see my rapist. So I kept my eyes pretty well trained on um, this assistant district attorney who was asking me questions. Okay. And then after the assistant district, district attorney who's representing you asks you the questions, then his attorney asks you questions? Yep. So the prosecuting side goes first. And really he asked me questions to help paint what happened that night and also how the trauma affected me. That was a big part of our case is how deeply I was affected. And then the defense attorney goes and then the prosecuting attorney goes again. Yeah, because basically they're proving or the argument is whether or not he raped you, correct? Like mm -hmm. that's what you're trying to. And that's like so frustrating, I think thinking about it in those terms, it would be so frustrating from your perspective because you're like, I, I know this happened. It happened to me. I was there. And yet you have to basically convince these people, you know? So I would imagine that that's a lot of pressure that you, yeah, you want to get it right. And you want to make sure that everything is said the way that you want it to be said. And yeah, that's really... Yeah, it's hard because I'm there not only for myself, but me being the person I am, I also feel like I'm aware that the prosecutor took my case when the chances were really slim that it'd be successful and that I'm the key witness. And so I also feel some pressure to make sure that I don't forget anything and I come across believable. Of course, it's not the main concern running through my head, but there is some pressure there. Like this case rides on me. Mm -hmm. he's innocent unless people can believe me enough to say he's not and it is a lot of pressure and I I'll be honest the most frustrating part for me is when I'm really emotional I tend to become very flat mm -hmm. 
And looking back, I know that you don't have to cry to be a victim of sexual assault, but I didn't, I like shed a couple tears, but I didn't sob or have a breakdown. And I, I mean, spoiler alert, I lost my case and I, for the longest time, blamed myself. I was like, if I had really shown how traumatic this was, and so I blamed myself a lot and that was hard. And now I don't carry that guilt as much because there's nothing for me to feel guilty about. I didn't do anything wrong, but it was really hard at the time. And I want to normalize those feelings for people who are going through the process because there's also fear being too emotional that people won't believe you. You'll come across as the hysterical woman. And so that don't worry about if you do. Exactly. Yeah, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. It's just like one mm-hmm. of the not to get on a soapbox and be feminist and whatnot, but I mean it's it's just one of those things in our society that women, you know, if you are good at your job and you're you know, you get things done, you're a bitch. And if you don't, mm-hmm. then you are weak. You know, it's just <clears throat> there there's no yeah, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Now, and I remember you saying afterwards that the prosecutor, or no, 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 sorry, the defendant, the defense attorney, in his piece of shit little self, said during his closing argument, like, something about you not even crying to the jury, and that, like, (sighs) I have so many feelings about that, but, I mean, that had to be, like, taking a fucking bullet. I mean... Awful. The defense attorney, what was frustrating to me is from where I was sitting, you could tell he had some standard copy paste questions that he asked. Right. And closing argument. There was nothing personal about it towards the case, towards his def- like client, towards me. It was he didn't even have any emotion or care. Like you guys like can't see me, but he sat against the chair like this. But there's like, like arms thrown up and not caring. Like relaxing and just kind of like, what's up, bro? Like, like he didn't care at all. And didn't take it seriously. And his questions were he was not um aggressive towards me, which is a blessing. Um he was very like nonchalant, like he was talking to a toddler and none of it mattered. Um it was really awful. But yeah, during the closing argument, he made a comment about how can we believe someone who didn't cry, like her own mom cried more than she did. And so can we really believe she was that traumatized? And his whole angle is that I was lying about being sexually assaulted. That way I could tell everyone that I wasn't sexually active. And I was like, that's a whatever. Um, is it, it was just 100 like, are, is that something that we need to be ashamed of? No. I mean, yeah. that's like, that's the dumbest. Uh, I can't even get started because we're just going to go off. And this <laughs> no. podcast is going to go in a different direction. So then what he did is he went through and came up with every word. So with sexual assault cases and the state I was, um, my case was in, it has to be proved beyond reasonable doubt. And so what the defense attorney did is at his closing argument, he said, remember, it has to be beyond reasonable doubt. If you think he did it, he probably didn't. If you're concerned he did it, he probably didn't. If you believe he did, but you're not certain, 
he probably didn't do it. Like he went through That's probably like- 25 of those examples and said, if you believe he did it, but you don't know for certain, then you can't say he's guilty. That's kind of leading though, isn't it? Or I don't know. The defense attorneys get away with a bunch of crap, but it's really hard because of that language beyond reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. And the prosecuting attorney said, like he tried to clear up what that definition is. And he's like, would a reasonable person say that he's guilty? Like, it's not like beyond reasonable doubt doesn't mean beyond all cert. Like you have, like to, you have to be. Yeah. Cause I mean, basically what the defense attorney is saying is that like, unless you witness with your own eyes this happening, mm-hmm. then you can't be certain that it happened. And so then it probably didn't happen. Yeah, bullshit, man bun did it. Like, but it works. Like, it worked, because- and it worked, mm-hmm. and that's the shittiest mm-hmm. thing about the system. So how long were you testifying? Do you know? A couple hours. I think more than two, less than three. Did you spend more time with your the prosecutor or with the defense? The prosecutor. Okay. The defense really focused on why I didn't come forward sooner about it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, so the people you told didn't respond appropriately. And so then you didn't report. But as soon as someone did respond appropriately, then you reported. Isn't that fishy? And I'm like, not really, because if I don't have a support network, it's a lot harder to like report. But... He focused a lot on that. Sounds like he was very prepared. Well, that's what I'm saying. He had to copy and paste thing. It wasn't. He didn't even know how to say his defendant or his client's name. Because oh my the, god, the defendant took the stand, which isn't super common. But the defendant took the stand, and he couldn't say his name correctly. The defendant lied on the stand. Like got caught in lies. Um, it was just. But all he had to do, the defense attorney, is put that thought in the jurors' minds. Mm-hmm. If you think he did it, but you don't know, or if you're confident he did it, but you aren't certain, then he's not guilty. What a fucked up line of thinking. Yeah. And, and like, I, and- I get the whole reasonable doubt thing, you know, and I know that there are innocent people that you go to prison and that's awful. There's something fundamentally wrong with our system Mm -hmm. just all around. But that I think in these types of situations, especially when you just like hammer at home like that, you know, you're almost guaranteeing not to get a conviction. Yeah. It's really hard. And I think that's why so many people don't report or take it to court and why so many district attorneys don't, pick up cases and agree to represent them because it's so hard and I think that the way to fix there's a lot of things that need to be fixed but one thing that helps is having a more educated society around sexual assault Mm -hmm. because then they wouldn't buy into the whole like oh she didn't report right away so she's lying because they would understand well and it's like I'm sorry but like who would want to admit to that like who would want to make that up? Is that, am I saying that right? Like who would, yeah. like who would want to make that up and then go through this whole process and mm-hmm. just, just for shits and giggles? Like, I don't, I don't understand why you would, mm-hmm. why you would lie about it. I, I don't know. It just, it just blows my mind that that is the response. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, it's hard and it's frustrating. And I think how jurors get selected, cause I got to watch and they rule out anyone who knows police officers. They rule out anyone who works at a women's shelter, anyone who has a family member who's been sexually assaulted, you know, so they really get rid of anyone who does know about the topic because of bias. And that's why people need to become more educated around sexual assault and the realities of it, even if it doesn't directly impact you. So if you're sitting on a jury, you can be a more educated member of the jury. Right. Because I'm, Mm -hmm. yeah, because otherwise you're just, so was your jury predominantly men, women, mixed? A decent mix, more men. And it was told to me by the victim advocate that that's pretty common because women judge other women harsher than men will. So women will be like, if I was in that situation, I do X, Y, and Z, not realizing that you don't know what you're going to do in that situation until you do it. Women are not as nice or forgiving or compassionate towards other women as men can be. Isn't that weird? It is, but I also get it because women are pretty judgmental. I mean, I'm pretty judgmental. But... At the same time, I don't know, because I feel like I, I feel like that's changing. Like, I feel like women, especially after the Me Too movement and different things, are kind of banding together a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And at least I hope that's kind of maybe that's wishful thinking. But <sighs> yeah, I could see where men would be more sympathetic. You know, unless they're the rapists themselves. But yeah. Yeah, and who knows how many of them might be, unfortunately, because women don't report or other men or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how did you feel while you were testifying? Scared, really, really scared, which I don't know, like, it's hard because looking back, I don't know how rational that fear was, but I was scared of him. I was scared of all that. And again, the people in the courtroom did a good job trying to make sure I was safe. Him and I were never in the hallway together. I was always escorted out with someone, with, and he had to, like, leave after that. No one from his side was allowed to talk to me. But it's still scary. And seeing him made me feel, like, sick. Like, I remember feeling sick probably more than anything. Like, just, I wanted to vomit. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a part of me that felt really good getting to hold him accountable as well. And knowing that no matter who believed me or who didn't believe me, he had to hear what he did to me and the impact it had on my life. And so did his mom and his grandma and his younger brother and his girlfriend. And, you know, it was frustrating. It was sickening, but it was also empowering that he knew that I wasn't going to just be quiet about it. Yeah. And now that you say that, like, even though he was found not guilty, like, you have to, you, his family, his girlfriend, everybody, like, somewhere in their mind, there is reasonable doubt that he's innocent. You know, I mean, he, there had to have been some, even the girlfriend, like, some behavior, like, something that they're like, he's not guilty, but could he be? You know, and I think that that is going to stay with them forever. And so, and I'm glad, and I hope that it keeps them up at night and that he has nightmares because he deserves that and much more. But how did you feel after testifying? 
after testifying, I felt um, I felt really good after testifying. I was still scared and shaken up because, I mean, it was probably only the third or fourth time I had told my entire story. Mm-hmm. And that was hard. Of course, I second-guessed myself because I – it's funny because I didn't show a lot of emotion, but I felt like I was. Like, I could feel my whole body shaking and the tremor in my voice, but I don't know if they saw that. So I second guess, like, oh, I should have sobbed or cried. Um, There's a lot of that. I felt guilt for maybe, like, not remembering something. But mostly I was really happy and felt good about it. Happy is not the right word, but I felt good about it. It wasn't until after um, the sentencing that I had a really hard time. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. I mean... Like we said earlier, I think that if you had sobbed and whatnot, he would have been like, look at her. She's, you know, has to make herself cry or, you know, this reaction is too much. She's faking it. You know, like he would have had something to say. I've never had someone say that. And that's really helpful. Thank you. Like, I just, yeah, I I don't know. I just, I think that he would have said whatever he needed to say, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I don't, people respond differently. I don't know. I'm not a hysterical person either. Mm-hmm. or you know one that cries a lot or anything and I, I don't know I I feel like in my head that's rational like you're you have to tell the story you have to get it out you know one way or another so it's obviously going to be easier to understand and it's going to be easier for you if you can just deliver mm-hmm. it the way that it needs to be yeah, and I think for me it felt so important. This is such an important moment. Yeah. I don't want to let my emotions ruin it. Exactly. And it's too bad that instead he twisted it to she didn't shed a single tear. Like those were his words. And I just remember being like, I felt like I was slapped because I didn't realize how he would use that against me, that I'm that I was in control of myself. And so that was really awful. Yeah, he's a real, there's like a certain level of hell for people like him. Again, I think if he had made it more personal, but I could just tell he had, he put an hour's worth of work into preparing for the case. I hope he like charged several just so at least mm-hmm. the defendant had to pay a bunch of bills, but he didn't put any time into it. And he delayed a court like two years. That's what you said. Because he was preparing. We didn't prepare anything. He was too busy preparing his golf swing. Something like that. It's just crazy. That's awful. And to see that contrasted with the assistant district attorney who was representing me and how passionate he was and how much he cared. I don't know. Yeah, that's... uh, It's just really... It's not a validating no all that time all that work Mm -hmm. all that delay in healing and processing and telling your story over and over again and just just all of this stuff just to come up and i don't i don't know i don't want to say that like you got nothing out of it or that there was no result but i mean it wasn't the result that that we wanted that you wanted and it wasn't the right thing mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah it just <sighs> I don't no know. it's hard and 
So um, after closing arguments, they sent the jury out to deliberate. And we left because we didn't know if it would take 10 minutes or 10 days. And it was a really short deliberation, which we took as a good sign because even the prosecuting attorney was like, we caught him in lies on the stand. Mm -hmm. Like you were believable. And our case got uh, hindered really badly by some of the judges' calls, which, like I said, maybe sometime we'll do like a flaws during my case episode. But there were some really big things that happened that changed the outcome of it, I'm sure. But as a short jury deliberation, we came back actually rather confident. And then they said not guilty. And um, we were told beforehand again by the bailiff, like, I don't want to hear any, like, cries of excitement, gasps, like, you should not even be here, essentially. And it's really hard sitting there hearing not guilty and not being allowed to show any emotion. Like, I couldn't. Right. I had to hold it all in. So as soon as, like, we could, like, I was, like, hustling out the door. And the second bailiff was walking with me, escorting me to make sure I was safe. And we're outside. I'm still, like, holding it together, but barely um, feeling so I, – I don't think I've ever felt you that did. way before. Yeah. I don't even know if it's that. It was just somewhere between, like, shocked – probably shocked is the best way to explain it. So I'm holding it together the best I can. And the bailiff um, is a woman and she walks me in the car and she asks if she can give me a hug. And I'm like, whatever. And so she hugs me. And as she pulls away, she's like, I was raped as a kid. I didn't tell anyone. And he went on to rape all my siblings. And she's like, I believe you. And anyone who's been in the system at all would believe you. And I'm sorry. And she like just started crying and like I'm like holding it together and I don't that was another moment where I was like I was so hurt for her mm-hmm. and it did help me feel a little bit proud of myself for going through it anyways but so many people have been hurt and haven't been heard it's yeah I mean we've talked about how like in earlier episodes people that you don't expect to say anything or to disclose to you or I mean, you don't know who's had what experience, but, you know, you said throughout this whole process and now that you've obviously been vocal about what happened to you and then weight and everything else that goes along with it, you know, that people will disclose to you. And so that's, I think that's, it's horrible what happened to her and her siblings, but at the same time, like, I think that's really amazing for her to share it and I think that that was you know looking back I think that that was really awesome of her to say you know Mm -hmm. yeah like selfish way to look at it but uh because afterwards I get to the hotel room and I locked myself in the bathroom I just like sobbed like I've never cried before um and I remember like texting people like, I'm sorry, like this is all my fault that like we're here. I made everyone support me. And then we lost because I didn't cry. Like I just remember it being a mess and, you know, knowing that other people were still proud of me and that mm-hmm. that still made a difference. And then I realized like I still held him accountable. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, everybody that 
was important to him, that cared about him. And him, him, him he, they had to sit there and listen to exactly what he did to you and how that affected you. And, you know, he'll, he'll carry that with him forever. I would hope. I don't know. Maybe he's worse than I'm giving him credit for. But, yeah. Well, I think I that's know. a sad thing. Is I don't think he is, like, some awful human being. I mean, he's obviously not a great one, but I think he is the kind of person that felt bad about it. Even on the stand when he's lying. And, I mean, it wasn't, like, me th- seeing the lies because I knew the truth. It was really obvious lying. He got caught in lies. And I think he felt guilty. Good. Like, I really do. And... Yeah, I know he has to live with that. And Well, and he's got to feel, you would think, like a normal person would feel a considerable amount of guilt for being found not guilty and held accountable for something that they know that they did. You know, that, yeah. I mean, you would think that that kind of... I worry that it gives them license to think that they can get away with it more. Oh, there's that too. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, yeah. if he knows he can get away with it with just a really crappy yeah. defense attorney. It's like, so but... dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. So dangerous. Didn't even think about that. Well, that's kind of a bummer episode, but I think it had to be done. Is there anything Thanks. else about testifying or court that you want to share i don't think so i have a series on my instagram page we are the evidence um you can see the series at the top and there's one called testifying tips and i touch on some of the more basic things so again like i like control so not knowing what i should wear really bothered me and when i asked like the victim advocate she's like well something comfortable but you know like not revealing um I was frustrated because I wanted more direction than that. I wanted her to like send me the link to the Kohl's business suit she wanted me to buy. Right. So I answer questions like that on the series testifying tips. So if you have further questions about those minute details, um, you can find them there. Awesome. And I just, I meant to say this at the beginning of the episode, but I forgot. Now I remembered Um, when I was listening to our last episode, when we were talking about toxic relationships, I realized listening, I heard it myself. I didn't notice it when I was saying it. But when I start to tell you about my one ex that I had in undergrad, and I was like, well, in his defense, his dad was a real piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. That's me defending him and making excuses for his bullshit behavior. And I'm listening to it in the car. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, even after all this time, I'm in this healthy relationship and I start out the conversation sticking up for his sorry ass. So I just wanted to let everybody know that I'm sorry. I heard it. I heard it when I listened to it again. And that shit runs deep. And at at least, you know, you look at it on silver lining, I guess, positive light. When you get to a good place, you know, and then you think about what you've said if you're like me or hear it because you're on a podcast or whatever um you you can recognize it later (laughs) I was just gonna say I am really impressed that you caught it and that you're like addressing it I I love you so much you're just a great but 
I was just so mad at myself and I was like, oh my God, I have to apologize to everyone. This is so unacceptable. <laughs> but we all do it. Like that's I know, what we do but... for kind people compared to these people that are bad people. Yeah. So, you know, don't feel bad or like you did something wrong or whatever, defending these people like that is what they have conditioned you to do. That's your thought process. And even me, you know, God, that was probably, I don't even, I'm not good at math. That was like 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago. I don't know. Um, yeah, after all this time and I haven't even like thought about him, talked about him, anything. Mm-hmm. Start um, off the story defending him. Oh, I'm so, so ashamed of myself. Over this. No, it's don't be so bad. Glad but, you caught it. Yeah, but so um, it happens. Don't beat yourself up. It's it's them. It's that's their training. It's it shit runs deep. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think for so many of us, I mean, a lot of us have trauma in our past. And we don't hurt people with it, but some people take trauma and they don't heal or work on themselves or work on those toxic behaviors and they do hurt people with it. And those of us who did the healing, it's easy for us to want to justify their behavior, defend their behavior because we care and we have big hearts and no, they don't need to be toxic human beings. They could work on the same stuff that a lot of us have to work on and not hurt people so it is a choice that's true yeah just yeah just because you had a shitty childhood or something bad happened to you doesn't mean that you need to be a terrible person no it's not an excuse no no anyways (laughs) (laughs) um let's see what funny happened oh i had a baby alpaca in my trunk this week <laughs> oh my gosh she sent me this photo of her like her like back part of her car as she's pulling away or whatever and there's like an alpaca head poking out and I'm like is that an alpaca in the back of your car like just sitting in the back of her car he was watching the traffic he was laying down oh my gosh. He was watching the traffic he was really good the whole time I mean alpacas so for those of you who don't don't know like when you when they are in a moving vehicle or trailer or something, they just lay down. And Which he's is smarter small. than horses. What? That's much smarter than horses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they just lay down. And then, yeah, so I was like, why would we drive all the way over here with the big giant trailer? He's like 40 pounds. He can fit in my trunk because I have a little mini SUV. Gosh. It be perfect. And he, like, hopped in there, laid down, and he watched traffic the whole time. He's so cute. I just <laughs> imagine driving next to you on the road and seeing like alpaca looking out the wind, like back <laughs> window at me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had sheep in there. Is this the company car or your car? Well, this is my car. Okay. Technically, animals aren't allowed in the company car. I have had baby goats in there but they were in a dog kennel okay time, but i have had baby goats in the company car before we won't tell whoops <laughs> <laughs> it was contained what about what about you anything exciting happened to you this week um 
I so I've been training that young stallion that I've been telling everyone about and we're trotting now under saddle which was exciting because I needed to work myself up to it quite a while and he's doing really well that's so exciting mm-hmm. yay so broad cute. church I love that horse he's growing up it's fr- like it's funny though because he's this big broad um horse he's huge. but he's not I sent you the photo of me on him and he's so little and I saw the pictures of me riding him and I was just like almost embarrassed because I've been nervous about him misbehaving. And I see the photo and he's a pony. He's an actual pony. He's 14 too. Well, I'm, yeah, I mean, like he's short, <laughs> but he's like stocky. I mean, you know, I mean, he's like, yeah, he's not like a normal pony, guys. Like, don't let her fool you. It's not like she's running around on like a little Shetland or something. Like, He's pretty beefy. He's like a little, he's a tiny draft horse. Yeah, but he's still so short. Like, I look at the photo, and I'm just like, oh. Because in my head, I'm riding some majestic, <laughs> like, giant horse. <laughs> and then I look He'll at the grow. photo, I'm like, oh, he's a pony. <laughs> He'll grow more, though. He probably won't hit 15 hands. Really? I didn't realize yeah. gypsies were that small. Yeah, they're gypsy ponies. So drum horses are bigger and they look like gypsies, but gypsy banners are, I think they're, I mean, there's so much variation in the size, but they tend to be less than 15 hands. Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, yeah, no, you need a Clydesdale if you want to have something giant and majestic. <laughs> oh, just so funny. In my head, I'm like picturing myself as a princess. <laughs> so that's probably why it was so shocking. <laughs> And then you see the picture and you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that, that, um, <laughs> that, like, Instagram reel. It's like, this is what I picture in my head. <laughs> and, like, this is the reality. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. He's cute, though. I'm glad yeah. he's doing so well. So. Yeah. Well, guys, we are so glad that you joined us. We, you can find us at this is my hidden talent <laughs> you can find we are the evidence at it's on instagram at we are the evidence you can find us online at we are evidence.com and you can email us at we are testifiers at gmail.com um so please do so reach out to shay if you have any questions if you're going to be testifying like she said check out her what is it a story uh it's a series like a story series okay on testifying tips um and we are trying to plan trying to plan on planning <laughs> <laughs> on doing a better job at talking to you every week and bringing you stuff because we have so much stuff to talk to you about you know we talk every day we want to we want to get to it. We just can't. Uh, there's just, there's not enough hours in the day. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so we're working on it better. Um, let us know if you have any topics that you want to talk about. If you have a story that you want to share, if you want us to share a story for you, if you have questions, if you want to be a guest, uh, let us know. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.